0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. It's Marian Bailey with the Hip Senior Podcast. And today I am joined by AJ Orlikoff, who is with Congressional Cemetery, and he is going to give us an overview of Congressional Cemetery what it's about, what the activities that they have going on there, who's buried there, where this all started, and just a little bit about the whole thing. AJ, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, absolutely. And Marianne, thank you so much for having me. It's real pleasure. I'm, just a, I'm a history nerd. I've always been a history nerd. So any chance I can get to talk about history and flap my gums, move my mouth, and out comes history is a welcome opportunity for me.
0: I'm excited to have you here. We recently had laura lister minch on the podcast and she is volunteering as a death doula for the congressional cemetery and so you're working hand in hand with her
1: oh absolutely i love laura she's amazing she's been on and i'm sure a lot of your listeners know she's amazing and I got to know her a little bit last year. And she, I was, I've been here for about 10 and a half, 11 months now. And when my first started, I remember, I remember meeting her first at our Tombs and Tomes book club, which I'm sure I'll be happy to share about in a few moments. But I met her at our Tombs and Tomes book club and she started volunteering for a few events. I got to know about her background and her sort of interest in death positive programming. We, through her and largely through our director of site sales and funerals here, Lily Berkeley they were the first people who really introduced me to this idea of death positive programming and doing that. And we really saw an opportunity with Laura, who had the expertise and availability to do those programs here at Congressional. We had a few test death cafes last year, and the interest was overwhelming. So we really thought it was something that the community wanted. And that's part of our mission is engaging our community. And we felt active burial ground in the cemetery historic cemetery we were really uniquely situated for our community to do those type of programs so absolutely love laura we onboarded her in her official capacity in january and it is she is off to the races
0: she just really piqued my interest in the whole thing i was like I have, first of all, I have to talk to AJ about this because how awesome <laughs> is that? You don't think of people getting excited about a cemetery. Like here in the D- Ohio area, you drive around, cemeteries are cemeteries, and we've got some cool ones. We've got Woodland. Wo- Oh yeah, I think it's Woodland Cemetery, where some of the more famous people are buried that were from the Dayton area. I'll have to look into it now that we're talking about it to see if they have any death positive experiences. But Laura's just sounded so intriguing. I was like, I want to move to D.C. just so I can take part in all this. And so Laura and I are actually talking about me coming up and being part of a weekend with you guys and doing some stuff like that. Oh, I'd so, love to
1: have you. Absolutely.
0: So we're still in the talk process and planning process for that. So maybe sometime later this summer. But So tell me a little bit more about Congressional Cemetery. Has it always been named Congressional Cemetery?
1: So the history of Congressional Cemetery is actually really interesting. And it all starts when a man named Pierre L'Enfant and the early designers of the Capitol, they're actually because D.C. is so unique in both American and world history in that it's a planned his, It's a planned city. It's not like New York where it comes up organically or Philadelphia. It's planned. It's planned. It's, it's The deal is brokered to place the cat nation's capital in, uh, in, in near, more near Virginia and the South. And so they picked Washington, D.C. And that's the area they draw up the plans. And when Pierre Fox drew up the plans, he actually neglected to put a place for a burial ground.
0: So, AJ, Congressional Cemetery, what's some history about that? Let's start from the very beginning, because I don't know a whole lot about Congressional Cemetery. I've been to D.C. a few times, but I've never been to the cemetery. I guess I didn't even know it existed. Where did it come from? How did this get started?
1: Sure. So interestingly enough, it was not originally called Congressional Cemetery, and there's a really interesting history behind that. D.C. is very unique in the American landscape. It's unlike New York or Philadelphia, which are cities that come up organically. D.C. is a planned city, and it is planned and that... Planning for the city really makes it quite interesting because it was designed by a man as the early founding founding fathers, that early Republic area, they're planning D.C. Pierre L'Enfant is the name of the man who actually designs the city. But he neglected to find a place for a burial ground. That's a really important thing for a city, right? Maybe not something you'd think about. And so they haphazardly put one a little too close to the Anacostia River. It floods down there. Ooh, flooding. Bodies, tombs—not too great of a combination, right? (laughs) So, uh, what happened is that a lot of these local organizations, when DC starts going and they need a place to bury people, they need—they really are going to have to rely on themselves to find burial grounds. And one of those places is a place called Christchurch. Christchurch is an active church. Today, and it was back then, and so Christchurch actually decided to purchase a parcel of land a little fir- a little farther from the water, but still on the waterline, and they called it Washington Parish Burial Ground, and that is actually the founding of Congressional Cemetery. It originally started as Washington Parish Burial Ground, but it soon as it began operating in 1807, that's our sort of our birth date, our 1807, so shortly after the city really became functioning in the early 1800s. So basically, that's the genesis of Congressional. started as this really small sort of cemetery for the purposes, really for the church's use, but also they would open it up to anybody in the community.
0: Okay. So who all, like, I'm guessing Congressional Cemetery, just by the name of it, I'm guessing you have quite a few politicians.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we are actually still owned. We were private then. We're private now. We're still, the ground is still owned by Christchurch. So, yeah, it's a reasonable question, a natural question. Why are you called Congressional Cemetery? What's your association? Well, as it turns out, like most people, as Congress is in session, they're people too, and they do what people do, and that is they die. So when someone died back then and Congress is in session, you have a body, and maybe it's the summer, and there's no embalming, and there's no refrigeration. There's really not a lot they can do to get these. It's a bit morbid, but I suppose that's appropriate. I'm at work in a cemetery, right? There's The body's not going to last and make it at home, especially if they're in a place that's really far away. And so they needed a place to actually bury a lot of these Congress members who were dying in office. And so they were like, so the first one that really just came up is a senator from Connecticut, I believe, Uriah Tracy who was a revolutionary war hero. He, The parcel was purchased here. The plot was purchased here in Congressional Cemetery, and he was the first member of Congress to be interred here. And then soon after, Congress went and so kept choosing Washington Parish burial ground as their primary place to bury members of Congress who died. And soon as the practice gained a lot of steam in the 1820s and 1830s, they started actually making deals with Congressional, with about the parish burial ground then to help maintain it, to buy a fence line. And they like appropriated funds to help with the upkeep of the cemetery, even though it was always still private. So that is where the name Congressional Cemetery didn't officially become Congressional Cemetery until much, much later in history. We're talking closer to the 19th, like the 20th century, but it got the nickname of Congressional and that's what everyone called it back then as soon, even as early as the 1840s. But yes. we so have they bought a, the
0: name uh, kind of like the Super Bowl, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, like that. Yeah. We, we. So that practice really continued. If there was a sitting member of Congress who died, they were either buried here themselves or or because of the association, they were memorialized with what's called a, a cenotaph, which is our, um, it's our logo. It literally translates to empty tomb, but you can, you might be able to see some behind me. I'm not actually out in the cemetery. That would be pretty impressive of our Wi-Fi to reach out here. This morning. You can see them behind me. It's a square looking and you can find it all on our website. It's the square-looking block of granite with a dome at the top, and that's meant to evoke the design of the U.S. Capitol. And cenotaph literally translates as empty tomb. So anything can be a cenotaph, but that kind of got the official naming convention got there because they actually, we only we have about 80 members of Congress buried here, but we have way more cenotaphs that memorialize people are there, so their bodies aren't actually here. So we have about 180 cenotaphs, I think, and about 80 of them actually have members of Congress. So most of the cenotaphs actually do not have the bodies of those buried here, but they're still memorialized here.
0: Just out of curiosity, if a member of Congress passes away and they cho- their family chooses not or they chose to not be buried at Congressional Cemetery, obviously, it's an easier feat these days because we do have embalming and planes to transport bodies and stuff like that. Sure. Who... Is Congress reaching out to you guys? Is there a family saying we would like to memorialize them there? Who takes that first step of making that contact with you guys. Is that
1: you? Point of clarification, do you mean today or did you mean- No, today, today. 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 So we don't have the relationship with Congress like we used to, quite frankly, even though we still have the name. So I'm not aware of any, there are still members of Congress who served before that are more contemporary that choose to be interred here. One recent one, I believe he passed away in 2011 was Thomas Lantos, who is actually the founder of the Cong- Congressional Human Rights Caucus and the uh, also the only Holocaust survivor to ever serve in Congress? Oh, wow. So he chose to be interred here. He is here. And uh, we actually have even Cenotaph more recently. Uh, Tip O'Neill, who was a Speaker of the House in the 1970s for a long time, he chose to be buried back home in Massachusetts. But he loved Congressional so much, he actually chose to get a cenotaph here as well. So we don't have those that official relationship like we used to have where we're getting appropriations from Congress or anything like that. We are a small nonprofit on a small nonprofit budget. So believe me, maybe if, maybe if, if any of your viewers can use their connections over there in Ohio to get some Ohio Congress people over here, <laughs> maybe we can restart that process. But, uh, but no, we don't have any type of official pipeline. If anyone wants to get buried here. They would go through the same process. Anyone would. Okay. So literally, I could be buried there if I chose. Oh, anyone could be buried here. We actually, uh, one of the sayings we have here is we say yes. We have very few, even though we are owned by a church, we are non-denominational. We accept anyone and everyone of all faiths, all backgrounds, all belief systems we take everybody we are extremely inclusive and it is important and a very important and integral part of who we are as an organization, as we just pride ourselves on our inclusivity, our inclusivity of everybody. So, any, yeah, absolutely. If if you really wanted to, I could hook you up with our director of site sales and funerals right after this call, and you could uh, purchase your own site if you wanted to. We are an old cemetery, so spots are running out. I promise it's not a sales technique. It's just true. Yeah, we accept everybody here at Congressional. And we even uniquely, we are actually the only cemetery in DC that does green burials.
0: That was going to be my next question was that Laura and I were talking about green burials and I keep telling my daughter I want to be a tree. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I was curious about what's all involved in that. Can you educate us a little bit more about green burials? Because I know some people aren't familiar with them and some people are like, oh, that's just a bunch of hype. But you know what? The internet used to be a bunch of hype. I'm sure we all stand a lot to learn
1: a lot about. Sure. And and hey, I'm a historian. I'm the director of public engagement here. So I deal a lot with our programming and our events. So I can actually relate to yourself and a lot of your audience on that, that when I came here, I didn't really know anything about burials or cemeteries. I'm not a death care professional or anything like that. So I came into this very much as, as just as maybe as... Wanting that information, just like you or anyone else would. So, really, I learned it's not as complex as you would think. All it is that uh, you do not have—you're not putting any material on the ground in the ground through your burial whether it's your through it to your body or whether it's your casket that is non-biodegradable essentially. So you can't have a metal casket. You can't be embalmed, things like that. So <laughs> all it is just essentially that if you have a, it's the only really restrictions is that. And so it really is just about it being more about the natural process of what dying would be in nature where you have the natural decomposition process through biodegradable materials such as wood through a casket and then typically a shroud, just a shroud for the body. But although but green burials, they can look very different in a lot of different ways. It's not a, the green burial is not a one catch all thing. Oh, it's one thing. It's a lot of different things, and I've seen some different green burials. If that makes sense,
0: it does. Does me wanting to be a tree does that count as a green burial?
1: I think so. Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. If you chose, for example, if you chose that Congressional Cemetery, you purchased your plot again, we say yes. So let's just say it's you, you buy your plot, you have your plot, you have your plans or your family knows about it. And then when the time comes, you're interred there, it's green and then it's your plot. So as long as it worked out with the flora and the fauna, all that worked out and with our, our grounds manager, sure. Absolutely. Planetary right there. I know there's certain services where they actually. Oh yes, I've seen what you're talking about. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think it's a little bit more than just planting a tree, AJ. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> that is true. But have seen a lot of those things that you're talking about. I think I've seen some infographics of it online. Very interesting. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's move on a little bit. I know sure. in talking to Laura, like she was explaining, like the grounds are. That they're used for different things and different activities. I'm sure, you know, that neighborhood people come and walk the grounds as their primary walking by type thing and their dogs and stuff like that. I think I saw on the website that it was dog friendly and stuff like that. Uh, but what other kind of activities other than obviously the ones that you're doing with Laura are really awesome. Like I said, I'm totally intrigued by all of that. But what other kind of things go on normally throughout the year as well?
1: Oh, absolutely a ton of things. And my mind is full of them all right now because that's really a lot of what I do with is I'm the I'm the director of public engagement. I, I actually manage all of our programming. So we, we are an active burial ground. And I think this, if I may, take a step back and, sure. and talk about how many things Congressional Cemetery is. And we have so many different constituencies and different people who come here for different reasons. We're an active burial ground. We have people coming for funerals or to visit their loved ones. We have our canine dog walking program, which is, like you said, people coming to get their exercise with their dogs. And then we have people coming to our programs. That's a different constituency. So in addition to our death positive programs, part of our mission is community engagement. And so it's my job and also historical education. So it's my job as a professional to think about how can we best engage our community, especially when it comes to my passion, which is history. So we have a lot of different ways we do that. One of the traditional ways we actually do is something called Soul Strolls. So what Soul Strolls is, it's essentially outdoor, interactive, live theater, where we have our different actors, the Corpse Corps, Company of Residents, peacefully or suspiciously expired. We love our cute acronyms here at Congressional. Our Corpse Corps, this is our actor troop. So, what they do is we actually have them play every year in October. It's our Halloween program, although I don't like calling it. We don't, it's not Halloween in the sense that we have trick-or-treaters and fake blood everywhere. And it's not that it's not like a haunt. Just tell you with that theme is yeah, sure, yeah. it's a little more, I suppose, in the appropriate tone for interpreting people who are buried here. But we have different actors actually play interred residents here. That's what we call them interred residents. And so we have five of them, and typically they would actually, we'd have them spaced out in the cemetery, typically at the gravesite of the person they are portraying, and guests can come in, book their spot, book their time in their tour, and they'll come in on a lantern lit tour, and they'll visit all those five spots and visit the soul of the person that they are portraying, and they'll get a five, five to seven minute little vignette about that person's life and legacy, typically tied together with a theme. For example, last year, our theme was crime. We called it criminal sin. And we had a lot of different people that were associated with crime in DC during the time period. Shocker. Yeah. So we had a lot of different, <laughs> really interesting characters out there. So that's one way we engage the public because people are coming in and they can drink. We have or sell, we sell beer. People come in and they expect that, oh gosh, I'm going to be drinking and having fun with my friends. But what I love it as a historian, it's really a history lesson in disguise. And people do come away having a fun time with their friends and family, but they also come away having learned a little bit of history. And if you can combine all those things in one, that's what I'm all about. So that's one thing that we do. I remember Uh, Laura said, she goes, I got to do this. She goes, We have to walk
0: around in a cemetery holding a lantern. Sign me up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Laura was one of our, one of our, our guides and dressed up for it. So it was really cool. We dress everybody up, but we have a lot of fun with it. So that's, we do those types of programs at Outdoor Live Theater, but we also have more formal history education. So we do that through one form is our docent led tours. We have tours every year of the grounds, April to November. And like I said, this is more traditional what you'd expect. You'd meet a docent at our front gate. We do the most Saturdays and Sundays, whether it's from April to November, depending on events or other things going on. But most of the time we'll have some sort of introductory tour or a special tour on the weekends and people can come in, they book their ticket and they'll get about an hour to an hour and a half walking tour of the grave sites of many of the interred residents here at Congressional. So we have that. But we also have speaking engagements. One of the big things I wanted to do when I onboarded here was to work with their community partners more and work with local historians and authors and people. So we do a lot of book signing events. We're having a new series this year called the Cemetery Speaker Series, where we're having um, local experts come in and speak on various topics. And we're starting off in April with the fine folks, working with the fine folks over at Ford's Theater on the Lincoln assassination, because oh. we have the most connections to the Lincoln assassination of any cemetery in the entire world. So that's something that we do. So we're going to have the speaker come and speak about the assassination, and then we're going to have a docel led tour of those various sites throughout the cemetery of those people associated with the assassination. Nice. So that's what we do. We have a little bit of the formal, a little bit of the informal, and then we also just have some fun sometimes. We have the last program I'll tell you about is Cinematary. This is a personal favorite of mine because in addition to being a history lover, I'm a huge movie lover. I love movies. And so this is actually where we decide to engage the community on just a just have fun level. And we get them out. We should actually show movies out in the cemetery outdoors using our screen and projector in the summer. So last year it was the summer of space and we showed a lot of classic sci-fi movies. And this year we're doing the summer of surreal where we're doing Tim Burton films out in the cemetery. People, you might think, oh, you know, people coming in, and that has nothing to do with history, right? And everything like that. My thing is, cinematary is a gateway drug. It's that you come in, you might, you're might you coming in to see, watch a movie, see a movie, but hey, you're getting in the cemetery, and maybe you'll hear about one of our other programs, and you'll come back for a docent tour and learn about our history. And so we like to be very multifaceted with our programming. Again, not just to be set in just one thing. Sorry. I know that was a really long explanation, no, it's okay. but yeah, that's the encapsulates all, all the shape of our program. We have a few more here and there, but those are the big ones.
0: That's I love it. That cemeteries are getting to where, like I said, you can go do activities and be part of the community on your end, instead of just being that creepy place that nobody wants to go to because sorry folks, but everyone eventually is going to die. It's just a matter of fact. And, um, cemeteries. We have, I have one in Kettering, Ohio (laughs) hops, skipping a jump down the road for me. It used to be two blocks from where I lived. And so I would walk up there or even drive up there. Sometimes I went through a divorce during that time. And what I learned was, you know what guys, and I'll tell you my secret is that cemeteries are really great places to go cry. If you need to get some emotion out and you don't want your kids or spouse or whatever to see it or whatever, nobody's going to stop and ask you why you're crying in a cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfectly acceptable. And I would just go up there just like, it was just my way of getting extra excess energy and emotion out of me. And nobody ever bothered me about it. But I'd
1: take my dog up there. We would go walking. It is so interesting that you bring that up because I've done some reading. There's a great book on cemeteries out by an author named Greg Melville, and he talks of any, it's about cemeteries and it's called Over My Dead Body. It's got a cute name. And in this book, he talks about, he really talks about how cemeteries have to adapt and be something different because a lot of these cemeteries, especially European cemeteries, they're full. And so they don't, they aren't doing any active internments. So they really do have to invent themselves. And I think we in society need to reinvent ourselves when it comes to sort of what you're saying and how you did. Of what cemeteries are and what they can be and what they mean for the community, and they they don't need to be these dour places where you only go. I know you were coming to said to come to cry, but then you come to just had, do a funeral and really sad. Like cemeteries <laughs> yeah. can be a celebration of life as well as a place for mourning. It could be a place of celebration too, and that's really what we lean into in a lot of these other cemeteries are doing to stay relevant and stay viable. Cause if we didn't have an organization around congressional and a lot of these other cemeteries, it would, they would get overgrown and go by the wayside. So yeah. it's an important part of preserving them.
0: It is. And there's some gorgeous elements in a lot of cemeteries, just even the history. When you walk around and you see a, a tombstone dated back into the sixteen, seventeen hundreds, and stuff, when people first started inhabiting these areas of hmm. when they first started coming over and stuff. And you see these tombstones and some of them are more up cut than others. Some of them, people with some people, they wanted their name to stay there. They wanted, they put into their, their wills that I'm going to deed this much money to upkeep this or their family did or stuff like right. that. And so you you see these really old tombstones and sometimes they're in disrepair and I love it when people go out and make it their hobbies or professions to repair and update tombstones like that. Um, I often see on TikTok, people that are cleaning tombstones just out of it. And then they always give some history about that person and stuff. Those are what really started making me a little more intrigued. I'm like, I want to go clean tombstones. That's just just see the (laughs) transformation of them is amazing. But just the, like I said, the beauty that usually comes within Cemeteries. There's one here, the one same one that I was just talking about. They have a a thing that celebrates veterans now in the middle of part of their property and different stuff like that. They've still got some room to grow out there. And it's a veterans day and stuff like that. I'm sure they host different events and whatever. I encourage people to check out the cemeteries in your area, connect with them, go on their websites and see if there's activities like a congressional park because I'm a cemetery. Uh, congressional park. I know that all of us can't go to DC and and participate in these events, but maybe there's cemeteries in your area across the U S that do. And if it's death positive and it's relatable, or it can become relatable to you, then participate in it because it can be a very beautiful thing.
1: Absolutely. And I think you're, you sharing that is really appreciate you sharing that because our colleagues in this field, quite frankly, we are quite fortunate that we the places that we have a great constituency, we're we're very financially in good shape, and we have a very functioning organization. Doesn't seem like that sometimes, but <laughs> no, we do. I kid, I kid. But really, what need what needs help is your local cemetery. They really do need assistance and volunteerism. Even if you don't have, don't want to donate anything, even just you volunteering, going to visit, spreading the word about them. You know that means the world to people in this industry because cemeteries really do need that help.
0: Absolutely. I tell that people all the time, especially like on social media is if you can't afford to donate towards something, if somebody says, Hey, this person needs some help or this or that, even if you can't afford to donate, reshare that post, get get, help, get the organizers, get that message out there. And just literally by resharing a post can be invaluable. You just never know who will see something from that activity. If you think, Oh, I only have a hundred followers. Well, you never know who out of those hundred followers are looking to be active in something or have had a member of their family pass away and want to donate to something that does some good work or something like that. So you just never know by just resharing things helps get the word out there and make amazing things happen itself. Exactly. AJ, thank you for sharing about Congressional Cemetery. It sounds like an amazing place. I really hope that Laura and I can put something together to where I can participate in something this summer or fall, because like I said, I'm just completely intrigued by it and really applaud you in the cemetery for making things happen like Laura, where, you know, where other things can happen within your organization. And I just, the activities that she's doing just sound amazing. And thank you for doing that.
1: Oh, thank you for saying that. And Laura is just such a valuable member of our team. We're so excited about the work that she's doing. And it's just uh, sort of what I was speaking. It's just, there's a lot of different ways to engage the community. And that one, I feel like is something we were uniquely situated to do. So we're happy to have her and we're happy to have you anytime. We'd love to have you anytime. Let me know too. And I'll take you on a a tour so you could see what the tours are like too. That'd be great. Meet some of our interred residents in person, so to speak. (laughs) That would be very interesting. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. So guys,
0: if you're, I'll put all the address and everything in the description of this podcast. If you're in the DC area on vacation this summer, stop by, say hi to AJ, sign up for some activities going on. Laura's doing her thing every Saturday morning, right?
1: Yes. She, most Saturdays are death doula days. That's when they meet is Saturday mornings. There are a few days where they're out of office, but it is most days. Yes.
0: Okay. And if you're curious more about that, you can hop over and listen to our podcast that we did with Laura. She gave us a lot of really great information on there as well. So if you go back to thehipsenior.com, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Google Podcasts or somewhere like that, if you go to thehipsenior.com, you can see the whole list of all of our podcasts as well, and find out what different events are going on with Laura and what AJ has planned and up his sleeve next. And again, AJ, thank you so much for joining us and letting us know the ins and outs of Congressional Cemetery.
1: Of course, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.